you know, Kevin, the one guy I wanted to hear from this winter uh, is Bo Bichette. You know, for a variety of reasons. I mean, first of all, he's Bo Bichette. And I think this is his team. I think this has been his team for a while. No question. A second, and it pains me to say this as much as it must pain Blue Jays fans to hear it. And let's be clear. I mean, he's eligible for free agency in two years. So is Vladdy Jr. And I think it's safe to say we haven't really gotten the payoff we expected so far. And, you know, that's not entirely on Bo, mind you. I mean, I think he's mostly upheld his end of the bargain. And, you know, in point of fact, he's made himself a, a, a better, much more rounded player. I think, uh, I, I, I think I wouldn't say the jury's out on Vladdy, but let's put it this way. People feel better about Bo the player right now compared to the start of the year than they do about Vladdy the player. That's fair. Um, but, uh, so, you know, Bo's growing, and uh, uh, my goodness, oh, man, I thought I thought we'd have at least one postseason win out of this group by now. So I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing what Bo says when he joins us in a couple of minutes. Yeah, me too. Look, it's... I, I, th- I think Bo wants to be the man. That That's first and foremost, when you have a superstar on your team, is what you want from that person, right? And he's evolved into, you're okay, if I think, if you're a Jays fan, if you're me and you covering the team every single day, of him being the shortstop on trying to be a championship mm, team. Absolutely. Like the, I think that has went out the window now just because of how he's shown you that he can do everything a legitimate championship shortstop needs to do, which is get the outs he's supposed to get. It's just what offensively is there left, right? Is this the, is this sort of maxed out what we're going to get? Is it, you know, obviously he plays more. He's going to put up numbers. What are those numbers, right? Is it, you know, does he need the people on in front of him or can he turn his, himself into a run producer along with the, you know, the, the high average, could he be a three thirty, a 30, you know, a hundred plus guy, which is for me anyway, what I think he can be because of the bat, the ball skills and the, how smart he is as an offensive player and the people around him, which is a giant deal, Mm -hmm. you know, in the off season and being able to tweak instead of overhauling is a giant deal, especially for special hitters like Bo Bichette. So yeah, uh, look, it's, it's a, it's a special thing. It's just, I think we're all waiting for Vladdy to catch up. Yeah, boy, exactly. I, boy, I hate to be the one to say that. because <laughs> no, that's been, true. I've that's been true. tooting that forever. That's true. Saying that he does things to baseballs that most humans aren't supposed to be able to do, but we're just waiting for more. And that is the big question coming into this season, at least this offseason, especially what the Blue Jays have not done, sort of is being thrown at Vladdy's feet again. And, that, for me, is the thing, right? Bo's where Bo should be. Yeah. Can we agree on that? Oh, yeah. Now it's up to Vladdy to catch up and be the Vladdy that we think he can be. And if those two things continue to happen, then I think the Blue Jays will hopefully go where they everybody wants them to go. It's odd, you know. It's almost as if things have changed from Bo being in Vladdy's shadow to Bo's success now putting pressure on Vladdy to improve. Well, it's like the, the right? every, every time you see the camera pan over and Bo's trying to walk Vladdy off the plank, basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? Did you ever think you'd see that? I didn't. I knew Bo was a very, very good hitter, but I thought Vladdy was an aircraft carrier. And to see the, you know, sort of the way it's evolved and the way the conversation at least looks mm-hmm. when it's being shown to the public, it just, I hope for everybody's sake that's involved in all this, that Vladdy hopefully catches up this year. Uh, we're what, three weeks from spring training, I guess. Wow. There's still a few holes to be filled, obviously. You think? <laughs> 
Third base, middle of the order, DH. I mean, the Blue Jays would seem to need to fill two of those areas, and if they can get the right person, obviously they can fill they can fill two with one. You've still got Cody Bellinger out there, Jorge Soler, Justin Turner, J.D. Martinez, Jock Peters. I mean, you know the names we've talked about. It. Those are just the free agents. We're not, we haven't even touched on the guys who may or not be available by trade. But in the meantime, Barker, Reese Hoskins is apparently off the board, according to reports, signing a two-year, $34 million contract with the Brewers. That includes a player opt-out after 2024. It's a perfect deal as far as I'm concerned in terms of making sense. Hoskins missed all the last year with the Phillies with the torn left ACL in spring training. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's expected to be ready to go. Uh, he's expected to be ready to go today. And, and, you know, he was a name that, uh, he was a name that, that was linked with the Jays, but you know, I, I got to tell you, given where the Jays are right now, I don't know if I want to bring a guy in that I have to count on being healthy. Like I, I'd rather have, Give me Jorge Soler, Turner, or Martinez. Absolutely. Guys that I, I don't have to worry about whether or not. And I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying Reese Hoskins isn't going to be able to hit the ground no. running. Maybe he is. But I need a little more, I need a little more surety than that from the guy I bring it. Okay, if, if the Jay signed Reese, you would go now coming on our show and say, now they go. You wouldn't say that. Like, I don't think he would be the guy that you would go, no. you know, you're penciling his name every day, dh or platooning at first uh, in the cleanup spot. No, but you could do that with J.D. Martinez, mm-hmm. dh and a Casey if you have to, you know, play a position or, you know, Justin Turner who could play third every single day, professional hitter, go line to line, driving 100 runs. I'd rather have two dudes that could drive in 100 than one guy that you really don't know who could drive in maybe 70 because you don't know if he's healthy or not. So, yeah, look, that that was a little bit of a surprise just because he was one of the names that was thrown into, you know, the interest level when it comes to the Jays. But for me, it wasn't a name or the names. Yeah. I think they need one or two, and one of the two, maybe for me anyway, starts with J.D. Martinez. They've got to mention the Hall of Fame, obviously. Uh, Tuesday was the day that the Hall of Fame uh, inductees were announced. Shout out to this year's induction class. Yeah. Adrian Beltry, Todd Helton, Joe Maurer. And, uh, well, Barker, friend of the show, Tim Hayes, who works for your hometown paper, the Bristol Herald Courier, sent along this picture. Now, folks can't see it on the pod, obviously, but it's a picture of Todd Helton right here. I'm showing you. Mm -hmm. And this is what uh, Tim said. Todd Helton of the Tennessee Vols takes cuts in an on-deck circle in the 1995 Hokey Smokey Classic, (laughs) the first official game played at Kingsport's Hunter Wright Stadium. The Hall of Famer went one for three, scored twice in a 10-8 victory over Virginia Tech. Yeah. You know who was part of that Virginia Tech team? You know who was playing center field? You. There you go. There you go. I got to be honest. The only thing I obviously knew that, I I actually thought of that last night whenever they had mentioned Todd's name. The only thing I remember is he left the game running the catcher over at home plate. (laughs) That's the only thing I remember about that was, and I, and I just remember when I have heard about Todd, talked to people that have been around Todd, they all say the same thing. That's no matter where, where the game's mm-hmm. at, how big the game is, he plays the game always the same way. And you could say what you want, whether he's only in because of Coors Field, which you could argue. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at the numbers and look at his road numbers, you could argue that. But look, it is what it is. He's a great hitter. I think no matter where you stuck him, it just so happens that 
Again, I think he said this. It's not his fault. His home games were in Coors Field because of when he was drafted. And he took advantage of that. And he did things in Coors Field that most humans can't do. So, yeah, I think, you you know, you could sort of say that Larry Walker sort of mm-hmm. paved the road for last night. Absolutely. To yeah. Now, look, I, I didn't vote for Helton. Um, I voted for Beltry, Mauer, and A-Rod. You know me and A-Rod. I'm going, I'm going to pound that, that no horse until it's dead. No, no Gary Sheffield. No Gary Sheffield. That's a little odd. I mean, yeah, well, you vote for A-Rod. You don't vote for Sheffield. Well, I mean, A-Rod was a better player than Sheffield. Come on. A-Rod is one of the best players of his you generation. You could argue that <sighs> if, if you no. needed one at bat, who no. was more feared? Uh, er, A-Rod no. or A-Rod, Sheffield? A-Rod, no. Listen, A-Rod was a – people forget what a big deal he was earlier in his career. No, I mean, Alex Rodriguez is – look, I, we're not going to go down that road. Anyhow, we know how the whole, the whole steroid thing is going to hold out. And frankly, if, if Gary Sheffield had been voted in, I, I, I would have been okay with it. Mm-hmm. I generally don't vote for a lot of guys in my ballot because I always make the point. If someone – voters are allowed to select 10 names. If there was ever a Hall of Fame induction class of 10 people, we'd have an inquest into how the Hall of Fame was being cheap. And never mind, you couldn't sit through the speeches. People would be dying in the middle of that, that, that field at Cooperstown with 10 speeches. So my argument is, okay, if we accept that a Hall of Fame class of 10 people is too many, why the hell do we vote for 10 people on the ballot? I mean, if you're voting for someone on the ballot, you're saying, I'm okay with him being a Hall of Famer. Anyhow, um, three people, Beltre, Maurer, A-Rod. A-Rod's not going to get him, but I'm going to keep voting for him. Uh, <laughs> next year's you're ballot. guy. Now I'm not. Well, there's at least, I think there's about 30% of us. Next year's ballot uh, gets some interesting newcomers. Now, Ichiro, Ichiro's going ballot, in on the, in the first for ballot. Yeah. I wonder if Ichiro gets the 100% figure that Mariano Rivera got. Well, I would think Beltre would have been closer than he was. What he did, he didn't get 19 mm. of the votes, I think. He got all but 19 of them. He's got over 3,100 hits. He's got almost 500 homers. If I walked up to you three weeks ago and said he was going to get 100% of the vote, you wouldn't have rolled your eyes at me. You would have said, yeah, you could probably guess that. Oh, I mean, no, no, Beltre. no. Beltre? Yeah. No, he wasn't going to get 100% of the vote. I, how? Why? No. Like, well, because what's, only, what's one, only one person's you, gotten it. Continue. Tony Gwynn didn't gets, get 100%. Again, it gets back to that well, thing mean, of who's voting, right? Yeah. And why you get 10 chances to vote for other guys yeah. just to keep them on the ballot long, a little bit longer. It makes zero sense is the point. For me, he's the one guy that if you were going to give at least Beltray mm. for me, he was sort of a shoe-in. Mauer, I mean, you could argue why a first ballot. Right, I, I, that's, that, that's the that's one fair. thing. Right? That's fair. I, wow, again, that's this fair. is what I'll ask you: Why me being a former player? Do I make a big deal out of that? Why, why is that a big deal for oh, me? If be. you're a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer, no matter if you get in the first year or the tenth year. Because why I think, do I care if he gets in the first year? I, th- I think the first ballot Hall of Famer carries it carries more weight. It carries more weight. I think there's only been 60 of them after um, last night. But, you know, yeah, and and I'm, I mean, I'm trying to think of the number of first ballot Hall of Famers I voted for. A lot, a lot, all, well, all the recent ones. Um, all the recent ones I've I've uh, voted for. Uh, Ichiro is going to go in the first ballot. You there, think there's so? No que- there's no question about that. Uh, there's some other folks in the ballot. Look, I think I didn't vote for him. I think maybe Billy Wagner gets in uh, uh, next year. 
Uh, CeCe Sabathia is in the ballot. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, where, I where he did it at, who he got traded to, what he did when he was yeah, traded but, to those teams, what he did in the playoffs. Like, those are big things. Mm-hmm. Him being a lefty, like, that's those all play into that thing, right? It's like the Billy Wagner thing. He's left-handed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, though. You know, the guy who, the guy who watched yesterday's ballot and must have just laughed is Buster Posey. Because Buster Posey's... Buster Posey's now we he has He's to a be first a first ballot. ballot. Absolutely. Oh, I, I mean, I was going to vote for him anyhow, first ballot because dude's got a ton of rings. He's he's he was clutch. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. But man, if Joe, Joe Maurer gets in in the first ballot, Buster Posey's got to okay. Sail I don't I don't want to take I don't want to take anything away from any of the people that has been voted in the last couple of years. But you've been around a lot longer than I have. You've watched a lot more baseball than I have. You are a voter. Any Mm -hmm. worry that voters, because of who they voted in the last couple of years, are turning this into the Hall of Good instead of the Hall of Fame? Because I understand when I was coming up, it was a... It was so far away in the tunnel to be a Hall of Famer yeah, because of what you had to do to get in it. And now because of the numbers that you're seeing with guys that are getting in it the last couple of years and who you could say that could get in it in the years to come, I shouldn't think that's a big deal. I'm not a small yeah. hall guy either, but I am an elite player guy. Listen, I, That's I, all. I, I think that – um I am a small hall guy. That's that. That's why I say I. I. I mean, I can't. I'm trying to remember how many. What the most, the highest number of votes I would have given in a ballot. Maybe five or six. And, and the reason I. The reason I try not to do it is I don't like this idea of a guy being on your ballot one year, then he's off the next year, then he's on the next year, then he's off the next year. And I, I listen. And I don't. I don't know. I don't know if there's a better way of doing it. You know. Uh, you look at the committee process that they have right now, and by and large, it works. But the committee process put Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, huh? yeah. The committee process kept Cito Gaston out of the Hall of Fame. The committee process put Bud Seligan, even though anybody who's connected with steroids mm-hmm. in the game, any player can't get in the Hall of Fame, but the dude who was at the top running the game, he got into the Hall of Fame in the committee mm-hmm. process. And those mm-hmm. aren't writers. Those are a few writers. Those are executives. Uh, those are Hall of Fame members. So I think this is probably the best way to do this. I think the more people you have voting, the better it is. But um, it, it's, yeah, it, it's, you know, uh, Jason Stark did a terrific article in The Athletic talking about how he's had to evolve as a Hall of Fame voter and maybe focus a little more on a guy's peak career. You know, I just... Like I mentioned this to you, I look at guys that are going in now, and I kind of scratch my head and go, "Man, mm-hmm. did I did I screw Jorge Posada by not voting for him?" Yeah, I mean, I don't know where he played his games, especially his home games. So. Absolutely. Anyhow, yeah. uh, congratulations to all of this year's inductees. No Anyhow, uh, the most important thing about halls of fame for me is one, they'd be hard to get into, and two, you don't ever want to have somebody in there where you stare at his plaque for an hour and a half and go. How the hell did that guy get in there? And 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 I think it's safe to say, regardless of who you voted for or anything. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to walk by Todd Helton's plaque and go, Nyeh. yeah, but it's a uh, it's a hell of a hall class. Uh, congratulations as well to uh, Jim Leland, who's going in to the Hall of Fame as well. Back with Bo Bichette in a few minutes. It's Blair and Barker. Hey, I'm Bo Bichette. I'm here at the UFC in Toronto. Can't wait to see some 
great fight. Well, we saw him on social media. He was at the UFC card in uh, Toronto recently. He is a shortstop of the Toronto Blue Jays. He is a guy that I said a little earlier in this podcast, this guy I've wanted to hear from all year because mm-hmm. he has a way of putting things into perspective. He has a way, frankly, of explaining things to us that, uh, frankly, other people may not may not be all that willing to explain. Well said. Bo Bichette, shortstop of the Toronto Blue Jays on Blair and Barker. <laughs> Bo, as always, thank you for your time today. We uh, trust the offseason is going smoothly. And, I mean, I'll start out with that. It, uh, what, it... it seems odd to say this, but after what, four, I guess, four, five seasons, four seasons, how have your off seasons changed? Do you still have a particular point of emphasis every winter? And if that's the case, um, what is this year's point of emphasis? Yeah, well, I think every off season is just trying to figure out how I can get better. So, I mean, to be honest, like everything is top of mind for me and getting better at every aspect of my life and, uh, my body and baseball stuff, but I would say the priority probably is just getting healthy again. Obviously last year I had my, my issues that I'm not normally accustomed to having. And so that's been a huge priority for me to be able to stay healthy throughout the whole season. Both for me, when you're healthy, you're, you know, you're, you can look at three thirty, thirty, and a hundred. I mean, consistently you've never hit that 30 mark. Is there, you know, some thought into maybe, maybe occasionally, cause we know, right. You're a, uh, you know, get it down inside out, a little thinking right field, a little bit more, you know, early in counts, maybe ambush and out and around, getting that little cheap backspin homer in your first at bat. Any thought process and sort of evolving from being that guy can get a hit anytime to now being that guy that can get a hit and can ambush you and change the game that way too. Yeah, you know, I'm proud of the the hitter that I am, but at the same time I know there's, you know, tons more in there, so Definitely, I've been working on getting my swing off a little bit more. Um, you know, I think I think in the past year or so, I've tried to be, like, too good of a hitter at times. Um, so, yeah, I want to do damage. I know I'm capable of more than even the numbers that you put out there. So I'm just uh, constantly every day just trying to figure out how I can reach that. Okay, does that mean pulling more baseballs? I mean, look, look your, your swing has lots of parts. Not a lot of humans can do the sort of things you can do and, and get barreled to all quadrants. Is that – you know, something you're sitting down thinking, okay, you know, power to all parts of the field. Yeah, you know, that's that's going to be if the wind's blowing the right direction. A lot of the times maybe I can do that, but I'm going to do a lot of damage to the pool side. Is that what you're thinking, right? It's more of that party out front kind of thing maybe in certain kind of counts. You know, I try not to think necessarily about um, where the ball goes, but I'm definitely trying to open myself up more and not, I guess not force the ball over to right field at times that I, I definitely get in those moments where I'm forcing the ball over there. So yeah, definitely just open myself up and allowing, allowing myself to catch the ball front, allowing myself to do damage and take chances early in the count and then rely on my two strike when I can. But yeah, no, definitely. Like I said, I want to be the best in the world. So, um, you know, power comes along with that. I think hitting is priority obviously, but power is part of it. And, uh, that's something that I want to add. Awesome. Hey, are you, uh, you, you talked a little bit about the injury uh, that you had last year. And, and I mean, you're a guy that plays every day. You're a guy that works every day. Are you going to have to change anything in season? Do you think to maybe give your body a little, a little bit, a little bit of a rest? Um, no, I think, um, I think I'm more focusing on what I can do to allow myself to do that extra work. 
So, um, yeah, it's just going to take a lot more discipline and uh, consistency with all the stuff that is not seen. You know, people see the ground balls and the hitting, but they don't see, you know, the rest of the stuff that uh, it takes to stay healthy. And those are things that I can honestly say I probably didn't do a good enough job of. So, um, you know, that's just kind of my focus in learning how to, take care of myself better and, and, you know, figuring out a routine for next season. Bo, when you're a great hitter and you go to a ballpark that they've obviously moved the fences in, you're thinking, well, you know, I can get some cheap ones here. I don't have to have a perfect swing all the time. And then you show up at the Rogers center and for whatever reason, that ball ain't carrying to certain parts that you guys thought it was supposed to be carrying to mess you up. Mind wise, you thinking about that in the off season. Now we talked about the party out front a little bit and you want to get frisky on occasion. You know, what is there frustration in the park that would make you and your teammates actually think about, you know, changing things and maybe not trying to hit it to certain parts of that park because of, you know, past experiences and the ball just doesn't carry there the way you thought it would? I mean, all of that plays into it. Every mental factor is a thing we deal with every day. Um, But, I mean, it might have played – I mean, I, for a fact, I know it played into some of the issues last year, but at the end of the day, man, if you can hit, you can hit. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If the field is, is too big or not and, um, you know, whatever field you're at, you got to figure out a way to stay within yourself and stay true to the hitter you are. And um, I think that's something that, you know, we'll work to be better at. Now, Bo, I'm wondering, how, how much were you following the uh, the pursuit of Shohei Otani this winter? and? Um, I'm going to ask you to play GM a little bit because everybody in this city thinks they're a GM. I know Barker accuses me of doing it. Hell, Ross accuses me of doing it all the time. Um, but, but what does this team need to get better? I mean, real, right now you're looking at, you know, no Chapman isn't, isn't back. Uh, no, no belt. Um, some free agents have gone off the board. What do you think this team needs to get better? And, and, uh, and just talk, you know, talk a little bit about the whole, how you were following the Otani thing. Yeah, so Otani, I mean, I was I was definitely invested, um, you know, so I felt the pain that I saw the fan base was, was feeling um, to be able to play with a player like that was something that, you know, obviously excited everybody. Um, but at the end of the day with our team, you know, I think there's no doubt in my mind that we have everything we need to win. Um, it comes down to, well, one, I mean, everybody living up to their potential. You know, I haven't um, done what I'm capable of doing. Team hasn't done what you know, we're capable of doing. There's another level of professionalism and discipline and consistency that we need to get to. And I believe that if we do that, we have everything we need. Now, that doesn't mean to say that I don't want some really great players out there to come help us. Um, I think that just as players striving to be the best we can be and striving to win World Series, I think that should be the case for the whole organization. But, um, you know, there's great players out there. JT, Justin Turner, and JD Martinez are two guys that come to my mind, uh, veteran bats that you know can really help, not just on the field but off the field as well. So, um, you know, but at the end of the day, like I said, we have everything we need. It comes down to to what we're willing to do, and if we're willing to do what it takes to be great. But we talked about it. obviously me and Jeff have talked about this. Ross came out and talked about it. Uh, the communication between, you know, basically, the, well, in so many words, the smart people running the team and the actual people going between the lines and executing it. And I just wonder, you know, as being one of the faces of the franchise, if not the face of the franchise, when spring training rolls around, is there something you need to hear that tells you that the communication between everybody that's all headed in the right direction 
is there and you feel comfortable enough that it can help not only you, but everybody else that tries to go out there 162 games and be the best they can possibly be. You know, I, I don't, I don't look to anyone else for that guidance. Honestly. I mean, my teammates, um, we, the team needs to be together, the players in the clubhouse, everything else I think is cherry on top. Not to say it's not important. It definitely is. But, uh, if we're together, we'll be all right. And, you know, for me as a leader, I think it's just, I'm taking that responsibility of making sure that, you know, what I think is important, what some other guys think is important is, is done on a day-to-day basis is, uh, you know, we lead by example in those areas and, you know, I think at the end of the day, like, we haven't accomplished what we're capable of. And I don't think that I've led to what I'm capable of leading. Um, I think I've done some good things, but I think there's more. And so, you know, at the end of the day, that's on uh, on me and that's on a few other players who have huge influence in there. And we just need to take a step forward in the clubhouse. Hey, Bo, was there as much confusion at the end of the year? Uh, you know, look, there were a lot of reasons that Minnesota beat you guys. Taking Jose Barrios out of the game wasn't just the only reason. But, you know, for those of us removed from the situation, for the fans, it just seemed as if something didn't sit right. And then, you know, the postseason news conferences with Ross and, and John, it kind of, it just kind of added to the sense that, Something happened in air quotes, and it just didn't look good. Was that an issue for you guys at the end of the game at all? Or have you had a chance to to talk to John and Ross and, I don't know, maybe even Mark? And is that all, you know, is everybody on the same page now? Um, you know, I've had conversations with all of them um, to leveling degrees, of course. Um, you know, to be honest, with that, with that, particular moment like I just think it's so far in the past that it's kind of irrelevant to keep on discussing I don't think it matters either way we're moving on with what we have and we're going to look to continue to make um, progress in making this team a winner and accomplishing what we're capable of Um, so you know we've had the conversations whether we're on the same page or not I mean that's to be seen. I think that's done with action and things like that, but we've definitely had the conversation. There's been communication. Now you've talked about um, wanting to, you know, I don't know if taking a more of a leadership role, mm-hmm. but you talked about every, every basically everybody's got to, got to be a little better here. Um, I mean, you're two years away from free agency. I'm sure it's been nice not to have to deal with salary arbitration this year, but do you get the sense that maybe your window of opportunity with this team is closing? Cause you and Vladdy are just a couple of years away and you know, Danny and Jano's a couple of years away. And then uh, you, you've, I think you've got four or five guys who kind of all hit free agency at the same time. Um, is there an awareness in your part about that? Definitely. I mean, I think it's up to us whether that window is closing or not. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, we're not a young team anymore. The whole excuses of, you know, growing and learning and all that, that's out the window. It's time to, it's time to be grown. I think we've been through enough experience at this point. So um, not to say that what we've gone through isn't great experience, but I think, um, you know, saying we're learning, saying we're going, that kind of stuff, like I think that's over and it's time to get it done. We've talked a lot about how good we are. We've said, you know, things like that plenty of times from a team, from the team as a whole or individuals um, separately, but, it's just time to, you know, put the work in and see what we're capable of. If we're not good enough, we're not good enough. But 
um, you know, we can put the work in and, and see what we are, we are capable of. But, you know, it's pretty cool listening to you talk and, and want to take the leadership role. It, has that been tough? Like, has that been hard to embrace? And, and it's part of being a great player. You're a great player. You're the shortstop of the Toronto Blue Jays. You're an unbelievable hitter. You've led the American League in hits a couple of times. Like, you, you know, it's you're nothing to sneeze at. Is, you know, that part of off the field where it's just – it seems like you've embraced it. Has that been tough for you? Is, are you – sort of taking that role and kind of running with it and thinking it's kind of cool. Um, you know, it's something that I've like, kind of like a role I've been in since I've been here, I feel. Um, but at the same time, like I'm trying to help lead and learn how to be a leader, but also try and figure out my game. And, um, you know, it, it's not like being a leader is not easy. There's a lot of things you gotta, you just gotta make sure your stuff is, is tight and you're doing the right things. And when you're young and learning, sometimes you don't and, you know, you're trying to figure out your game as well and all that stuff. And um, so I'm more than willing to take that. I don't want to say burden, but those responsibilities on. Um, and I feel like I'm at a point in my career where I'm more equipped to handle it and do it correctly. Um, not that I'm not going to have a ton of faults over that long of a season. There's going to be a ton of mistakes I make. I'm sure of it, um, but I'm ready to, you know, put in my best effort. Do you have a sense yet? from the organization, um, whether or not they're going to talk to you about a longer term, you know, an extension to the extension you already have. and know you're under contract for another two years. Vladdy, of course, is going to arbitration uh, this year. Um, have you had a, do you get any sense that, that there may be movement on either side to make this relationship a little longer? You know, I know, like, fans get antsy about that stuff, but I just think right now our best uh... – our best energy, our best mental energy is to focus on getting things right. Um, that time will come. I'm sure it will. Um, whether they are thinking that or not, I'm not sure. I haven't had that conversation yet this off season, but I think right now our best time spent is really trying to figure out how we can take the next step. Cause obviously we haven't gotten better every year, like we expected to. Um, and so there's a lot of work to do on my part and everybody else's part of course too but um yeah i just think right now there's there's more important things that need to be handled now bo i've been saying for a couple of years that people haven't given you enough credit for your defensive improvement you know both the eye test and the analytics show that you made strides in that area uh last season i'm just wondering when you see yourself on video what do you see defensively you know i'm i'm pleased with the year last year um you know, it was never a doubt in my mind if I was capable of doing it, but there was definitely speed of the game, um, doubt, um, all that kind of stuff that got my way a lot. You know, I mean, to be honest, my whole life, people have told me I'm not a shortstop, so that probably plays hmm. into doubting yourself a little bit at times. But, you know, last year I made like four errors, I think, in the first week of the season. And I basically just had a come-to-Jesus moment and was like, dude, like, like you make every play when you take ground balls, what is different. And from that point on, I, I was able to slow the game down and played really well from there on. I think I'm way better than I even was last year, to be honest. I think I was so concerned with taking care of the baseball, which should be number one priority that I wasn't quite making the athletic plays that I make in the past. You know, some of that has to do with, like I said earlier, not taking care of my body the way that I, should um in the way that i know i'm capable of but those are things that my range and 
along with the consistency, I think can make me a little bit, a little bit better, if not a lot. Bo, listen, man, we really appreciate yeah. your time. Uh, enjoy the rest of the off season and uh, stay healthy. We will look forward to seeing you in Florida. Yeah, Be well, awesome. my friend. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, man. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, there you go, Kevin. Uh, interesting discussion with Bo Bichette. Um, a lot of introspection, a lot of talk about needing to be better. I mean, clearly, listen, Bo, Bo is aware that the clock is running with the Blue Jays. I mean, he, he is. He's, you know, he didn't fall off the turnip truck. I mean, he, he is aware that the clock is running. Seems to be focused. Um, you know, but I get back to it, man. I just, if you had told me, Kevin, at the, at the start of the Bo Bichette and Vladdy era, that one, we'd still be waiting for a postseason for, for postseason success four mm-hmm. or five years in. And two, that I'd have a lot of concerns about Vladdy and absolutely no concerns at all about Bo. I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I would have thought that way at the start. Yeah, I think defensively is further to your point, especially with Bo. You know, you were thinking we were talking about him moving to second base. and He's pretty that, clear. He's heard uh, all along that he can't play shortstop. A lot of people have told him that. Yeah, for me anyway, I think he's he's quiet in that crowd, at least for for now. And, and you know, you're okay with him going forward and trying to win a championship. You know, I, I like everything he said. It was... Look, look, he's taken on the leadership, which, you know, I've had conversations. I don't think that's been the easiest thing for him to do, right? You, you, It's sort of a process when you're a player, right? It's You're not going to just fall into it and start being the leader. You want to, you know, you want to figure out who you are as an offensive player. You want to figure out if you're good enough to, to play every day at the big league level. You want to get paid a little bit. Mm-hmm. You want to feel wanted. And then that sort of flows around to where you're trying to be the leader on and off the field. And I think he's embraced that. And, and we're starting to See, it sounds like, anyway, the best out of Boba Shet when it comes to whatever that entails. So I sort of like that. And then all the other things, you know, mentioning the, the even the, the fences at the Rogers Center, where that was a deal mm. to other players, not so much him, right? He can hit a line drive around the field with the best of them anytime he wants to. It's not about backspinning balls. I mean, we could all be probably put names to who had some thoughts about that ball not carrying to right center and to center and, you know, when they were giving out their best bolts. So, yeah, it was – it's just that whole thing of that cloud of the communication and and is there a problem? Mm. And I know when I go to spring training because I'm going to – and I'm going to – you know, I ain't going to be holding my ear out and trying to hear everything that's going on. But I think that is sort of the thing around the Blue Jays is, is everything okay? Like, is everybody all in this together, at least who's there – and just the outside noise, yeah. forget about that. And it just sounds like listening to Bo that he'll try and make that happen. Yeah, I mean, look, we haven't heard a great deal from John Schneider or Ross Atkins since the uh, since the offseason media availability. I, that might be for the best. It, <laughs> it might you know, be. I, I mean, yeah, but but at the same time, I look, I'm not a fan of saying that the fans think this or the fans need to know this. I'm just going to say that, you know, I... I still need to be convinced that everything's cool. Um, I, I, you know, I just, I, I just do. Uh, and and you know, hearing Bo, hearing Bo say that gives me a little bit of a little bit of hope because yeah. clearly, clearly, he's talked to he's talked to people. And you know, listen, he's he knows he's gonna. The, he's going to get asked this day one of spring training, like Bo's first media availability. You know, a lot of the, obviously the questions will be a little bit about his contract. You know, Mm -hmm. he's got two years left. Um, 
but a lot of it's going to be about how the year ended and the back and forth between Schneider and Atkins. And is, is, is everybody, was everybody on the same page? You know, you made an interesting comment about the leadership too. Cause I, I was thinking about this. This is a guy that didn't go to college. Like he didn't play university ball, came out of high school, got in, got signed, went professionally right away. Mm-hmm. And early in his career was basically, it was Vladdy and Bo. It was Vladdy and Bo. Mm-hmm. Vladdy was the guy. Then there's Bo Bichette. You know, that, that, they've always kind of been joined at the hips. And, you know, think of the fuss that was made when Vladdy came up. Absolutely. Compare that to Bo's introduction to the game. And I think you have to allow guys at time to, to it, it's not just a matter of maturing and, and, and growing into a role physically. I, I think in a lot of sports, guys need to figure out how they create a space for themselves to lead. I don't think it's a matter of simply coming in and going, Hey, I want to be the leader. It, your teammates have to be willing to do that. And, and I think just, by the way he works and by the way he's played. He's kind of elbowed. He's got his, he put his elbows out and he, it's not that he elbowed Vladdy out of the way, yeah. but just by work and most importantly, performance, he has turned himself into, I think the guy in this team. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean that Vladdy, Vladdy can still go out and hit more home runs than him next year and drive in more runs and maybe hit for a higher average or whatever. There's nothing to say that can't happen, but to me, it's Bo's team right now. Yeah, I think it's he's the predictable one offensively. Correct. That's I, I, I well think, said. I think defensively, and he just talked about it, how much confidence he has and how much he thinks he's even better this offseason going into next season when it comes to his defensive prowess and, and everything it takes to be an everyday shortstop. Mm. You know, I think those things go hand in hand. When you ooze confidence with your game, that allows you mentally to walk up to a player that's not doing so well or yep. not running the ball out the first and yep. basically said, hey, get your head out of your derriere. Let's go. And I just think me talking to Bo off the field, he's embraced it. And I think he wants to embrace it, mm. which is a big deal. And if you're a fan of the Blue Jays, who better than to do that? And I want to make a little point about the – we may not know how that relationship between – everyday guys and everybody that went through the thing that ended the season and the front office and the coaching staff until maybe you see John go out and take out one of the big three starters early in the season (laughs) and somebody, one of them chirps or that may be the time or where they put Bo in the lineup. If they bring in another bat, like they're, that I think is when you'll start to know confidence and is it okay? And do we like John Snyder and all those things that matter in 2024? Yep. So I think there might be a little, have to be a little time there where you may not see it in spring. You may have to wait until actually seeing it when, you know, the, the rubber meets the road and John has to make these decisions and, and actually has to take out one of the big boys and how's that going to go? So that'll be an interesting thing to see too. I do think there's a little mending though. I think there's some of that where some of these established dudes just got to know that everybody that's pulling the strings, that those string pullers have those dudes' backs. Yeah. You know, I I wonder, though, too, I I think about about Bo, and, um, you know, you look at he had Marcus Semyon beside him at second base for a year. 
And he had Matt Chapman beside him at third base. As, as, as Bo grew into his role, as he became a better defensive shortstop, he had two guys on either side of him that were really good. And Isaiah, Isaiah Kinefalefa, kind of, I mean, he's a really good defender, so that would be you know, defensive-wise. But, but, you know, I think he's Matt Chapman. But uh, yeah, I did get the sense that if uh, Bo woke up this morning and saw that the Jays had signed J.D. Martinez and or Justin Turner, I think he'd be happy. Well, I, th- I think he happy. sees what the Yankees yeah. are doing. I think he sees what the Orioles are. I think he sees offensively what the Red Sox can be. And I think he always knows what the mm-hmm. Rays are and how the Blue Jays looked last year. And he, by the way, knows Vladdy off the field mm-hmm. better than anybody. Yep. So he'll know what he's thinking, how he's feeling, how it's going to look, whether he's going to hit the ground running, those kind of things. So, yeah, there's a reason. You know, both throw those things in there yep. every once in a while to let you know how he's feeling. Uh, a reminder that we'll be back on Sportsnet 590, the fan at our 11 a.m. Eastern time time slot starting February 20th. Uh, you can also catch me on sportsnet.ca. Next week, we'll be taking some listener calls. So please feel free to fill up the back leg line. The number is 416-413-3959. You call us up and you'll hear Barker's voice. Then you can leave your name and location along with your questions or comments. And uh, our uh, highly skilled staff will pick through. I'm waving at our highly skilled staff There's right one now. of them. There's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll pick through the questions. He's really good, though. He is. He is. <laughs> he is. He is. Uh, we'll collect the best questions, and uh, we will answer them. And, uh, of course, you can listen to us on the podcast. And if we answer your question, go, hey, Parker answered my question. Player answered my question. So until then, thanks for listening and subscribing, and uh, we'll catch you next week. <laughs>